0: Welcome to Crime, Corruption, and Cocktails, the true crime podcast where we look at cases of corruption and negligence and examine their historical and cultural implications. Today, I'm drinking white wine. How about you, Jenny?
1: Today, I have a margarita. On today's episode, we're going to focus on the death and last 24 hours of Princess Diana's life. But before we get into that, we're going to give a brief overview of her short life. Diana Spencer was born on July 1, 1961, near Sandringham, England. She became Lady Diana Spencer after her father inherited the title of Earl Spencer in 1975. She married the heir to the British throne, Prince Charles, on July 29, 1981. Together, they had two sons, Prince William and Prince Harry, and they officially divorced in 1996. Princess Diana was loved worldwide because of her global humanitarian work and many other reasons. She was rumored to be dating Egyptian billionaire Dodi Fayed shortly after her divorce from Charles. Diana and Dodi arrived in Paris on August 30, 1997, following a French Riviera vacation. As soon as they arrived via private plane, paparazzi were following them. Diana, at the time, was one of the most photographed women in the world, and the year before, she had won a restraining order against a paparazzo who had crashed into her car in order to get a photo. Diana and Dodie arrived at the Ritz Hotel, which Dodie's father owned, in the late afternoon. She went to the salon for a hair appointment and he went to a nearby jeweler as it was believed he was planning to propose to Diana during the trip. The couple then rested in the hotel's imperial suite before going to Fayed's apartment around 7pm to get dressed for dinner. Paparazzi followed and Dodi got into a shoving match with the pushy photographers. At the apartment, Diana checked in with her children who were in Scotland with Prince Charles and the Queen. The couple first attempted to go to Chez Benoit for dinner, but were overrun by photographers. They then returned to the Ritz and ordered food in the restaurant's dining room before eventually returning to their suite for privacy. They needed to get back to Dodie's apartment, so he devised a plan. The couple's driver and bodyguards would make a big show out front, appearing to get their caravan of Mercedes sedans ready to leave. Meanwhile, the princess and Fayed would slip out the back door in a borrowed car driven by hotel security officer Henry Paul. However, photographers were tipped off about the escape, quickly catching up on their motorcycles. Driving a Mercedes, Paul took bodyguard Trevor Rees-Jones, Diana, and Dodie on a high-speed trip through the boulevards and narrow streets of central Paris. Paul darted in and out of traffic, at an estimated 70 miles per hour, eventually crashing into a pillar in the middle of the highway inside the Pont de l'Alma tunnel near the Eiffel Tower and River Seine. Dodie and Paul died instantly, while Reese Jones was seriously injured but survived. He was the only one in the vehicle wearing a seatbelt. Early reports said Diana was suffering from a concussion, broken arm, and cut thigh. However, the princess had also suffered massive chest injuries and a severed pulmonary vein. Diana was taken to the La Petite Petrier Hospital, where she underwent two hours of emergency surgery before being declared dead as a result from her injuries and internal bleeding in the early morning hours of August 31st, 1997. She was just 36 years old.
0: The world was shocked by Diana's tragic and sudden death. They were also shocked and disturbed by the lack of response from Queen Elizabeth II and the fact that flags were not lowered at Buckingham Palace. Queen Elizabeth II finally made a televised address from Buckingham Palace on September 5th, where she said, quote, no one who knew Diana will ever forget her. Millions of others who never met her but felt they knew her will remember her. I, for one, believe there are lessons to be drawn from her life and from the extraordinary and moving reaction to her death. I share in your determination to cherish her memory diana's funeral was held on september sixth nineteen ninety seven a funeral procession commenced from kensington palace her coffin resting on a gun carriage drawn by six black horses Thousands of mourners hacked the streets to watch, with 15-year-old Prince William and 12-year-old Prince Harry joining the final stretch of the four-mile procession for their mother. An estimated 2.5 billion people tuned in on television to watch the ceremony at Westminster Abbey, which featured a powerful eulogy from Diana's brother, Earl Charles Spencer, and a performance from her friend Elton John. Diana's body was laid to rest at a gravesite on a small island at her family's estate off It was initially believed that paparazzi were at fault for Diana, Dodie, and Paul's death. An investigation into their deaths and an official report was released in 1999 that stated that Henry Paul was drunk behind the wheel and that his condition may have been worsened by prescription antidepressant he was taking at the time. Claims and counterclaims from more than 250 witnesses poured in after the 1999 report. In April 2008, an inquest jury at the Royal Courts of Justice in London returned verdicts of unlawful killing for both the princess and Doty, the equivalent of manslaughter in a criminal court. They said that the paparazzi who pursued the princess's car and its driver, Mr. Paul, were both to blame for the tragic accident because of their quote-unquote gross negligence. The jury also concluded that the couple may have lived if they had worn seatbelts. Several members of the paparazzi were questioned immediately after the accident, but they were released. The British Metropolitan Police conducted Operation Paget, which looked into 175 theories and found that each was without any basis and proved once again that Princess Diana's death was an accident. Despite these reports and investigations, many believed that her death was no accident and that she was in fact murdered. And this brings us to the numerous theories surrounding Diana's death. The first theory, and perhaps the most popular, is that the accident was actually an assassination arranged by the royal family. People claim that Prince Charles couldn't remarry if Diana was alive. The Royal Secession Act cuts against this theory because Charles could remarry legally, just not within the Anglican church. For this part of the theory to be true, they would have had to kill Camilla's ex-husband as well as Diana. Charles and Camilla were married in a civil ceremony with the queen's blessing due to the likelihood of children being low. Also, Princess Anne remarried while her ex-husband was still alive. Something to note is that there is also no children as a result of this second marriage. Dodi's father, Muhammad al-Fayed, believes this theory and says that Diana was pregnant at the time of her death and that the royal family did not want Prince William and Prince Harry to have a Muslim half-sibling or family and covered up her pregnancy and prevented Diana from marrying Dodi with the car accident. Fayed said that the royal family, quote, could not accept that an Egyptian Muslim could eventually be the stepfather of the future king of England, end quote. Faid even publicly said that Diana phoned him on the night she died to tell him about the alleged pregnancy. Discussion of a potential pregnancy came up before Diana died in the crash, with some newspapers speculating that she might be pregnant. That speculation was bolstered by mysterious comments Diana made about a, quote, big surprise. Despite Faid's claims, post-mortem examinations didn't find any evidence that Diana was pregnant. Friends also said that she did not express feelings that she could be pregnant, and they claimed she was using contraception. Diana had allegedly told close friends and her butler that she felt the royal family was watching her. A letter from Diana to her former butler, Paul Burrell, Implied that Diana suspected her husband was planning to kill her with a quote accident in my car end quote with quote unquote brake failure and quote unquote serious head injury so that he could marry someone else. She allegedly wrote the letter 10 months before she died in the Paris car crash. Her note also included quote I am sitting here at my desk today in October longing for someone to hug me and encourage me to keep strong and hold my head high. This particular phase in my life is the most dangerous." Quote. When Diana wrote the letter, she had experienced problems with her car, had voiced fears about them, and her bodyguard had died in an accident that she believed had been a conspiracy. Diana's former bodyguard, Barry Manikey, was possibly murdered in an orchestrated motorbike accident after they allegedly became too close and possibly had an affair. People claim Burrell forged the letter himself, and Burrell has said that the media took too much stock in the note. Another reason why Diana could have been killed by the royal family was her political activism, including her call to end the usage of landmines. This placed Diana on a world stage and added a political aspect to Diana, which the royal family avoids. The next theory is that the British government arranged to have Diana killed. In another letter, Diana allegedly claimed that if she died, MI5, which is the British Security Service, or MI6, which is the British Foreign Intelligence Service, would be responsible for her death. Many think that the British government killed Princess Diana because they viewed her as a threat to the royal family and therefore the stability of the state. It's also believed that she was going to leak embarrassing information about Prince Charles. Records show that MI6 agents were operating in Paris at the time of the car crash. Some suspect that the entrance to the slip road most drivers would have taken from the Ritz Hotel to Doty's apartment was blocked by mi6 forcing henry paul to head into a tunnel instead when the car entered the tunnel a bright light supposedly flashed blinding the driver so that he would swerve and crash and another vehicle fled the scene. Richard Thomason, a former MI6 agent, claimed that he had seen a similar flashing strobe light in his training used to disorient drivers as a method of vehicular assassination. However, later investigations found that Diana's car would have been driving too fast to go down the first slip road, regardless, so it's unlikely that the driver suddenly had to choose another path. The rest of the eyewitness accounts didn't conclude which other vehicles were at the scene. Some people claimed that they saw one motorcycle while others saw six. Some people saw a black car race away, but others remembered a white one. Despite there being 10 to 14 CCTV cameras in and around the tunnel at the time of the accident, none of them were working. Mohammed Al-Fayed also claimed that Diana's bodyguard, Trevor Rees-Jones, knew the crash was premeditated and did nothing to stop it. He supposedly even agreed to cover up details after the fact because the Secret Service threatened to kill him if he revealed their plot. Rees-Jones did receive some threatening calls and letters after the tragedy, but he reported them to the police and didn't seem concerned about them. He still stands by his account in his book, The Bodyguard's Story.
1: Another one of the more popular theories is that Henry Paul was purposefully involved in the crash. Henry Paul was the head of security at the Ritz Hotel in Paris and the driver of the Mercedes Princess Diana was in. He had worked for the al for a decade, but theorists believe that he was in the pay of at least one other organization, the security services in either France or the UK or both. Former MI6 officer Richard Tomlinson spread a rumor that he'd seen intelligence files for an assassination of a foreign politician in Paris that had, quote, an eerie similarity, end quote, to Diana's deadly crash leading to rumors that the driver, Henry Paul, was in on the scheme and was feeding information to MI6. But Tomlinson also happened to have been let go from MI6 for leaking secrets and was famous for trying to ruin the organization's reputation. He also never used Paul's name in connection to the accident. People who doubt the official course of events say that its central claim about Mr. Paul being drunk at the time of the crash was not only false, but a lie spread in the media to cover up the killing, and that was done in part by swapping his body with another person so that the toxicological results would appear correct. There are a number of reasons why people believe this, one being that Mr. Paul did not seem to behave like he was drunk earlier on in the night. Theorists claim the samples used in forensic tests actually belonged to a suicide victim and were used to frame Paul, but toxicologists tested four different samples and all suggested that Paul's blood alcohol levels were three times the legal limit in France, and there was nothing to suggest that the samples didn't come from Paul's body. Though there were mistakes made with the tests, and repeated checks of those have certified that Mr. Paul had been indeed drinking. And just something to note, blood alcohol levels in the body increase after death no matter how much someone has drank. Some sources have also suggested that they might have had a French source inside the hotel. Another related theory and source of suspicion is the white Fiat Uno. So another suspect of the crash was the driver of the white fiat uno that reportedly followed diana into the tunnel leaving forensic evidence on the mercedes that suggested the cars made quote-unquote glancing contact for the operation Paget report theorists believe the fiat purposefully hit the mercedes and sent it into the pillar theorists attempted to link the fiat to james Anderson, and thus link the well-known french paparazzo to the crash scene claiming he was also an MI6 informant. Operation Padgett accepted Anderson's statement that he was home with his wife during the crash. But many people are still suspicious of this because Anderson was found dead in his car in the French countryside in 2000. Police ruled it a suicide, but Fayette and other doubters claim he was killed for the part they believe he played in the alleged assassination of Diana and Dodi. Anderson's body was found in a car that was on fire and I believe there was a wound on his face and that it was either a gunshot wound or a wound from the fire, and finally, we have to talk about how Princess Diana was treated on the way to the hospital and after she had died. It's believed that doctors allowed Diana to die by not treating her in a proper manner and thus stopping her from properly recovering. Most of this theory revolves around her treatment at the crash scene. If she had instead been taken to the nearest hospital and treated there, many people believe that she may have survived. So to give everyone an idea of the timeline, emergency services were called at 12.26am, police arrived at 12.30, an ambulance came at 12.40, and Diana was placed in the ambulance at one18 the ambulance left the scene at 1.41 and arrived at the hospital at 2.06 a.m. A doctor on board the ambulance asked for the vehicle to drive slowly out of concern for Diana's blood pressure. An Operation Paget states, quote, The instruction to drive steadily and at low speed is fully justified when patients are in an unstable hemodynamic state. As the phenomenon of acceleration and deceleration, as with moving, can cause variations in bulimia and therefore lead to cardiac arrest. Quote. And this time frame that I just gave does include the time it took to remove Diana from the car and the time to get her heart beating again after she went into cardiac arrest. And that is why the doctor asked the ambulance to go so slow because, like we said, the speed could have caused her to go into cardiac arrest again because her blood pressure was kind of all over the place at the time. The ambulance carrying Princess Diana, who was still alive at this time, passed one hospital on its way to another further away from the crash site. The closer hospital was allegedly not equipped to deal with Diana's injuries, and the hospital that she did end up at is known for treating patients with multiple traumas and as well as foreign dignitaries. Another part of this theory comes from the fact that Diana was kept at the scene longer than expected, and this is likely due to a cultural difference, essentially. The French approach to emergency care differs from the UK and the US. In France, emergency crews focus on giving treatment at the scene before moving a person to a hospital, but in the UK, it's about getting the person to the hospital sooner. Another notable thing theorists like to point out is that Doctors had started the embalming process surprisingly quickly, which would have made a urine pregnancy test out of the question or created an excuse to claim it was a false positive. Many people believe that Diana was embalmed within an hour of her death, but according to the Operation Paget reports, it was, I believe, like 12 hours later. Embalming before an autopsy is done is against the law in France, and The coroner in this case said that for an embalming to be lawful under French law, authority was required from a French mayor or from French police as well as a member of the deceased family. But in Princess Diana's case, no family member appeared to have given consent. Diana's injuries were consistent with the cause of death, so doctors didn't really see a reason to delay the embalming process. And another reason why they sped this up is because Prince Charles and Diana's two sisters were due to come view her body later that afternoon before bringing it back to England, and the French president at the time was also due to pay his respects. So, they felt they were faced with little time to prepare her body for the viewing, and hospital staff decided to go ahead with the embalming with only verbal authority from the local superintendent of the police. Something else worth noting is that on the day of Diana's death, the weather was very hot in Paris, and Diana's body had been stored in an empty room adjacent to the emergency room where she had been treated as the mortuary was on the other side of the hospital grounds and a fair distance away, and in the room were dry ice and air conditioning units to keep her body cool, but that didn't do too much, which I think is another reason why the embalming took place. The surgeon who worked on Diana said that the Princess of Wales was not taken to the hospital mortuary as it was felt inappropriate to transport her body across the hospital grounds at the time because of the media interest. As the writers of the Operation Paget Report note, such a conspiracy would require a substantial number of expert doctors and other caregivers to both break their ethics and then lie about doing so. and they concluded that that did not happen. It's impossible to say whether or not there would have been more success if Diana was taken to the hospital, but either way, doctors have said that it was an almost impossible case for her to ever survive her injuries. And again, her injuries probably wouldn't have been as bad if she was wearing a seatbelt. So, Dell. After hearing all of these theories and the rundown of the story, what do you think most likely happened to Princess Diana?
0: I think the most likely answer is that this was a tragic accident. Unfortunately, Henry Paul was driving under the influence of alcohol and prescription drugs while trying to avoid the paparazzi. The fact that Diana and Dodie were not wearing seatbelts probably contributed to the fatality of the accident. I think that many of the theories rely on faulty information information and not understanding the particulars of the people or institutions involved. For example, people who claim that it was the royal family because Charles wanted to remarry or people that claim that it was the British government or claim that the French people didn't take care of Diana properly. But what it really boils down to is just different standards being upheld in different Countries. I also do not believe that Diana was pregnant or engaged to Dodie. Doty. Dodie's father is not a reliable source of information, and there is no proof beyond his words and feelings. His claims about the royal family not wanting William and Harry to have a Muslim half-brother is faulty because any children produced as a result of the alleged relationship between Doty and Diana would not be members of the British royal family, would not affect the bloodline of the crown, and this would be true even if this child was born during a legal marriage between Diana and Dodi. Image is important, but I don't think the Queen or Prince Charles would traumatize a nation or, more importantly, two young boys for a potential child of no real consequence to the family. How about you, Jenny?
1: This is another one of those cases where I don't have a definitive belief or answer. But honestly, I can believe anything that we just said being true even if it was just a tragic accident. I think it's easy to mislead people with some of the details in this case. There are a lot of explanations for elements of the accident and how she was treated at the hospital that I have never heard of that really made me look at things differently, but I will say there's still an overall fishiness to me. There's a lot of coincidences, and I totally understand why people have such strong beliefs about this. I do think it's very strange that she wasn't wearing her seatbelt when her family said that she was an avid seatbelt wearer. But what stands out the most to me is the letter that Diana had written, how her body was kept at the hospital, and the Fiat driver's death. If that letter was in fact written by Diana... I would 100% be sure the royal family was behind it. I think that they mistreated her and I would believe that they did see her as a threat, but at the same time she was probably one of the best things that happened to them, so I can't totally get behind that they would kill her when she really did a lot to revitalize their image, which we'll talk about in a second. The Fiat driver's death is so, so, so suspicious to me. I've never heard of anyone committing suicide by lighting their car on fire. I would believe that he was possibly suicidal if he was somehow involved in her death or he wasn't and people were going after him thinking he was. I can't imagine the toll that would take on your mental health, but it's such a strange, complicated manner. And I think it opens the doors to more theories as to whether someone was getting revenge on him for being part of Princess Diana's death or if maybe he was starting to give details out and then the organization he was part of got wind of it and, you know, they didn't want to handle that. I know that we explained a lot of the goings-on at the hospital, but still I think it's strange for someone of such status For her body to not be stored better, I do understand why the doctors didn't want paparazzi to get pictures of her body, but still, she's not the average person and I hate to say that she should get better treatment, but I just don't understand why it wouldn't be stored right, especially a hot summer day. But like we said, maybe it just does come down to a difference in cultural practices. Getting to Mohammed Dodi's dad, I don't know what to think of him. I can definitely see why he blames the royal family, but I also don't completely believe that Diana was pregnant. I think that she probably would have told at least one friend or family member or gone to the doctor. I'm not sure if maybe she was just so early in the pregnancy that she didn't want to tell anyone or what, but I think it's strange that he was the only one that knew definitively. I don't know. That doesn't sit right with me. But I wouldn't be surprised if Diana and Dodie were going to be engaged since multiple people saw Dodie jewelry shopping. Whether Diana would have accepted this is another story since there's claims that she did not want to get married at that time in her life. I think she had told someone that I need marriage like I need a rash on my face so you can tell it's really not something that was on her mind. We also know how adamant the royal family has been about keeping up their bloodline, so Muhammad's claims about them not wanting an Egyptian Muslim man in their family makes sense to me. But Dell, you made a good point that Dodi wouldn't really be part of the royal family. He would just kind of be adjacent, and maybe that's too close for their comfort. I can see that, especially in 1997, but... Who knows? And I will say, I'm really not surprised that these investigations didn't turn up any evidence of a conspiracy or a foul play. I think that if they did find something, higher powers definitely would have kept that under wraps and maybe even threatened them. I will say, one thing I think people take too seriously is the traffic cameras not working. It is very strange that they weren't working, and I can definitely see why this would lead to people thinking it was a cover-up. Obviously, no cameras, no evidence, but we rarely hear of security cameras working, unfortunately, so it doesn't surprise me. Like I said, overall, I'm just kind of in the middle. I can see all of it being true. But I'd really like to know what Diana's family and what Prince William and Prince Harry think about that. Because everyone involved seems to have different ideas of what happened to Diana and what was going on in her life at the time of the accident. And I'm curious if their thoughts have changed at all since more of this conspiracy information has come out and more investigations have concluded. Like we said at the start of the episode, Diana was much loved around the world. People kept leaving flowers, candles, cards, and personal
0: messages outside of Kensington Palace for months following her death. At the Spencer family home, so many people tried to bring flowers that the police begged them to stay away because the traffic chaos was endangering public safety. Then-UK Prime Minister Tony Blair called Diana the People's Princess in his address to the nation following her death. Now, more than 20 years after her death, she is still an icon whose popularity is enduring.
1: One of the reasons a lot of people loved Princess Diana was because of her activism. She was involved with charities that worked with people who were homeless, youth, people struggling with addiction, the elderly, and people suffering serious illnesses, including leprosy. And Diana was really known for her HIV AIDS work. She was photographed, and I think videotaped, shaking hands with a man in a London hospital who had AIDS, and she did so without wearing a glove, which was really crazy at the time because people were still unsure of how HIV AIDS was spread. There was a lot of ideas that it was spread through touch and there was a big stigma around HIV and AIDS. So her doing that really opened the door for the stigma to break down and for people to be supportive. During a 1989 solo trip to New York, Diana made another impact on the public by spontaneously hugging a seven-year-old child with AIDS at the Harlem Hospital Center. And after this, the New York Times had described Diana as, quote-unquote, a breath of fresh air, and they said she was the main reason the royal family was known in the United States. She also was known for shedding a light on the little-known topic of landmine usage and she traveled to Angola to meet with people that had been hurt because of landmines from, I believe, past wars and she called on the international public to end the usage of landmines. Stephen Lee, the director of the UK Institute of Charity Fundraising Managers, said, quote, her overall effect on charity is probably more significant than any other person's in the 20th century. Another reason people really liked Diana and were so fascinated by her was because she was a glamorous fashion icon. She broke the royal rules when it came to fashion and makeup. She wore black outside of funerals. She experimented with makeup. She would wear short dresses. She would wear low-cut dresses. She was also photographed in a lot of athletic wear and, like, casual clothing as well. And because of stuff like that, she was very relatable and it humanized the royal family. Before she married Prince Charles, Diana was working as a kindergarten teacher and she lived in a flat in London with her friends, just like any normal teenage 20-something girl would. And she was a very hands-on mom too, which was pretty unusual for the royals at that time, but really left a mark, I think, on society. She brought her sons on trips. There's tons of pictures of her and the boys at amusement parks. There's pictures of them go-karting. They were known to eat McDonald's, go on vacations, and she sent them to public school, which was definitely unheard of at the time as well. And again, This really helped to rejuvenate the Royals' image, but something that she did that the Royals definitely didn't like was giving candid interviews, which she did with Martin Bashir. She described her mental health struggles and marital issues, and she also did so in tapes that she had sent to journalist Andrew Morton. Diana really tried to take control of the media frenzy that was around her. And when she would talk to journalists, she was open about her mental health struggles, which included bulimia, postpartum depression, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, and low self-esteem. And like we said, she was pretty blunt about things that were going on in her marriage at certain points. She described in one interview a moment that she thinks triggered something in her and was related to her bulimia she said quote my husband put his hand on my waistline and said oh a bit chubby here aren't we end quote which I think she was already suffering from low self-esteem at the time and no one would want to hear that in the interview with Martin Bashir she said quote there were three of us in the marriage so it was a bit crowded end quote which really shocked people and made people feel like the royals were mistreating her. I think that after she did this interview, the queen actually wrote a letter to her and Charles telling them that you guys need to get divorced. People have also criticized the queen when it came to Princess Diana's bulimia because she kind of blamed Diana for issues that were going on in the marriage and she said something like, Charles can't handle your bulimia. It's like too hard on him and You know, that's not something anyone wants to hear when you're suffering from something like that.
0: For centuries, the royal family has faced controversies and scrutiny from the public. Here are a few more recent scandals that they've faced. So the first one is Prince Andrew and his connection to convicted child molester Jeffrey Epstein. There are allegations made by Virginia Roberts that said that the Duke of York raped her. There are photographs of them together, and after a really bad interview with the BBC, the Duke of York was forced to take a step back from royal life. So another scandal involving Prince Andrew was with his ex-wife, Sarah, the Duchess of York, and she was embroiled in one of the biggest scandals the royal family faced when pictures of her financial advisor sucking her toes were taken on a vacation and Sandro Pays in 1992, and these photos were released about five months after her separation from the Duke of York.
1: Speaking of torrid affairs, we have to talk about Prince Charles cheating on Princess Diana with Camilla Parker Bowles. To be fair, both Charles and Diana were regularly unfaithful in their marriage, but this affair with Camilla was a large aspect of their marriage that was made public. Prince Charles had dated Camilla before he married Diana but Charles was discouraged from marrying Camilla like we said because she was a divorcee and it just wouldn't uphold the royal image and I guess it would complicate things. Diana knew that Charles had feelings for Camilla and she knew of their affair once it resumed in 1989. An explicit phone call between Charles and Camilla was leaked in 1993 that caused a scandal. Even though Diana knew about the affair, the public really didn't know about it at the time. And there were actually phone calls leaked between Diana and her lover that were leaked before the Charles and Camilla phone call. And Charles and Camilla's relationship finally became public in 1997 and they married in 2005. And finally, we wanted to talk about Prince Harry's infamous Nazi costume. In 2005, Prince Harry was photographed at a party wearing a Nazi costume that included a swastika armband. So, of course, something like this made headlines, and the headlines read, Harry the Nazi. His actions received worldwide criticism, and he apologized by saying, quote, I am very sorry if I caused any offense or embarrassment to anyone. It was a poor choice of costume, and I apologize, end quote. Which looking back at this now, I think people would rip that apology apart. It's got the infamous, I'm sorry if I caused any offense. I'm sorry if I offended you. Which everyone loves to rag on uh, nowadays, rightfully so. But at this time, Harry really had a reputation as a party boy. And he definitely caused quite a stir in the royal family. I think he was known to smoke pot And there were eventually naked photos of him released from a party in Las Vegas that were made public. And he was just really doing a lot of crazy stuff at the time. So it's pretty interesting, I think, to see how he has grown up and changed so much. You know, I can't imagine him doing anything like wearing this costume or being photographed naked nowadays.
0: The death of Princess Diana is not the only conspiracy theory about the royal family.
1: There's quite a few, so we've picked a select few to present to you all today, and our first is that the entire royal family are members of the Illuminati, and Queen Elizabeth II is a shape-shifting lizard person. Former BBC presenter David Icke believes the royal family of the United Kingdom and all other countries are part of the Illuminati. And all of them earned their power because of their human ancestor mating with reptilian aliens. He claims the theory explains why royal families are obsessed with keeping their bloodlines "quote unquote" clean with other royals, and insists he's talked to people who have seen people in power change into reptiles and back again. Which I'll be honest, I think that is like an interesting way to look at keeping the bloodline so clean pretty wild I mean I've heard of other people being called lizard people and I know that's like a pretty popular theory and but something I would say that adds to this Illuminati idea is that Prince Charles and Prince Philip both have attended the mysterious Bilderberg group meeting Prince Charles in the 1980s and Prince Philip in the 1960s.
0: And for those that don't know the Bilderberg meeting also known as the Bilderberg group is an annual conference established in 1954 to foster dialogue between Europe and North America. The group claims their agenda is now defined as bolstering the free market around Western capitalism and its interests around the globe. Participants include political leaders, experts from industry, finance, academia, and the media. There is typically between 120 and 150 attendees. And honestly, I think a lot of people look at this meeting as just a way for the rich and powerful to decide what's going to happen in the world with no real collaboration with the working people. So Catherine, the Duchess of Cambridge, is not immune from these crazy conspiracy theories. One posits that a surrogate actually gave birth to Princess Charlotte. Some theorists and gossip magazines claim that Catherine must have used a surrogate because she looked too good leaving the hospital to have just delivered a baby herself. Others said that the duchess's belly didn't seem big enough for a post-baby bump and quote, there is no special maternal look in her eyes, end quote.
1: Going off of this pregnancy conspiracy is the fact that some people speculate that Prince Harry is actually the son of Major James Hewitt and not Prince Charles. Diana and James both admitted to having a five-year affair during her marriage to Charles. Though some say the affair didn't start until after Harry was born, playwright John Conway claims Hewitt admitted it started 18 months before his birth. Another reason people say that James Hewitt is the father is because he is a redhead like Harry obviously is. And they look maybe a little bit alike, but Harry also resembles Princess Diana's brother Charles. There's a picture I saw of Charles kissing Diana on the cheek and he's in military uniform and he looks exactly like a young Harry. I had to do a double take, honestly, because I thought maybe it was like an edited picture, but it's supposedly her brother Charles.
0: And these conspiracies extends to Harry's wife, Meghan Markle. Some claim that she is a robot and that her marriage to Harry was for the UK to gain control over the United States. A video circulated showing Meghan and Prince Harry in the audience of the Britain's Got Talent finale, in which the Duchess does not blink or show any facial expressions at all. In truth, the Meghan and Harry in the video were actually two audience members wearing masks of the royal couple in an effort to promote Madame Tussaud's new live figure exhibit. Political critic Greg Polowitz tweeted, quote, Prince Harry's kids will be American. What if one grows up to be president and is in line for the throne at the same time. Brits are playing long ball here, but it's a smart move. They want America back, and this is how they'll do it, end quote. While I do find that theory very fascinating, I do want to say that it is a long shot that Harry or any of his kids will actually ascend to the British throne.
1: Del, after everything we've talked about, what
0: are your thoughts on the British royal family? I think that as an American, I don't want that type of institution to be our ruling class, but I definitely respect the decisions that the people of the UK and the Commonwealth have made to continue to have a monarchy. I think that the British royal family is definitely a positive for the Commonwealth, and I think that they do add a sense of tradition and culture. With that being said, I do think there are really big troubles within the family, and I think that does tie back to how strict it is and how unyielding some of the traditions are. And while some of those things are getting better, I think that it's going to take a real changing of the guard in order for a lot of those old time rules to really be done with. I'm definitely looking forward to how William and Catherine reign because I think that's where we're really gonna see the modernity of the British royal family how about you
1: Since Harry and Meghan's engagement, I really haven't thought as highly of the royal family as I used to. Before that, I was definitely a fan. I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of knowledge of the royal family's ins and outs and their duties and how they work. As an outsider, it is kind of exciting to see what they're doing. I have family in England, and They would always send me newspapers from big events like the Queen's Diamond Jubilee and William and Kate's wedding. There's a magnet with William and Kate and their wedding date on it that I have. And we also had a Princess Diana Christmas ornament that we would put on our Christmas tree when I was a kid as well. I love Princess Diana. Whenever people ask, you know, who would you have dinner with dead or alive? My answer is Princess Diana. I got up early to watch Harry and Meghan's wedding, which I will say is on my birthday. Their anniversary is my birthday, so maybe I feel like I have a connection to them because of that. I don't know. But like I said, since then, I think I've really learned a lot more about the royal family, including more about the Princess Diana conspiracy theory. I really didn't even know it was a thing probably to like a year or two ago. And things that don't paint the royal family in a positive light, I've just heard more about those. So it's kind of given me maybe a reality check. It makes me look at them without rose-colored glasses. I will say I think it's hard for me to say too much about them just because, like I said, I do have that outsider stance because I'm not a citizen of the UK. But I don't want to say too much more because we are going to be talking about them on our next episode where we discuss the infamous Harry and Meghan interview that happened earlier this year.
0: That wraps up this week's case. Thank you for listening. Let us know in the comments what you think about Princess Diana's tragic death. Make sure you click the subscribe button. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform and YouTube every Wednesday with a new episode. Follow us on Instagram at Crime Corruption Cocktails and on Twitter at Charade Inc. Please consider donating to our Patreon. This will help us get better equipment and bring higher quality content to you. We appreciate any amount you can give. This is Jenny and Dale signing off. Stay safe.